good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Data First Quarter 2021 Earnings Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in the listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you'll need to press star 1 on your telephone. In the interest of time, please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up question. And please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Mr. Ryan Burkhart, Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today to review Datto's first quarter 2021 financial results. With me on the call today are Tim Weller, Chief Executive Officer, and John Abbott, Chief Financial Officer. During this call, we may make statements related to our business that would be considered forward-looking statements under federal securities laws, including projections of future operating results for our second quarter ending June 30th, 2021, and full year ending December 31st, 2021. As a result of a number of factors, actual results may differ materially from those projected in such statements. These factors are set forth in the earnings release that we issued today under the section captioned forward-looking statements. And these and other important risk factors are described more fully in our reports filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. We encourage all investors to read our SEC filings. The following statements reflect our views only as of today and should not be relied upon as representing our views as of any subsequent date. In addition, Datto undertakes no obligation to publicly update or revise any forward-looking statements made here. Additionally, non-GAAP financial measures will be discussed on this conference call. A reconciliation of these non-GAAP financial measures to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measures is available in our first quarter 2021 earnings press release, which can be found on our investor relations website. A financial supplement and webcast of today's call are also available on our investor relations website. I would also like to inform you that we will be participating in several investor conferences coming up in June, including the William Blair Growth Stock Conference, the Evercore ISI TMT Conference, and the Bank of America Global Technology Conference. Please reach out to me if you're interested in joining our schedule. With that, I'd like to turn the call over to our Chief Executive Officer, Tim Weller. Tim? Thank you, Ryan, and many thanks to everyone for joining us on the call this afternoon. We are excited to report strong Q1 results and an improved outlook for 2021. I'll begin with a few highlights from the quarter, followed by comments on Datto Commerce, our latest product launch, and then I'll update you on two key themes for 2021, cloud and security. Finally, I'll turn the call over to John to discuss our financial results and guidance in more detail. This year started on a strong note as momentum from Q4 carried into Q1 with total revenue growth of 16% and subscription revenue growth of 17% year over year. We saw strength across our entire product suite led by continued rebounding of our BCDR products and strong growth in our SaaS protection and RMM products driven by the powerful trends of digital transformation and cyber resilience. We ended the quarter with $573 million of ARR, which represents a higher sequential increase than in the previous quarter. We view this as a key leading indicator of revenue reacceleration. In Q1, adjusted EBITDA was $47 million, and we generated more than $24 million of free cash flow, representing our fourth consecutive quarter of positive free cash flow. 
In addition, the number of MSP partners we serve grew to 17,300, up 300 from the end of 2020. As you know, we are the largest pure play IT solutions provider to the MSP community, and we are dedicated to serving this channel every day in our sales and support motions and in creating technology which is purpose-built for the managed service provider channel. We provide MSPs with mission-critical sell-through solutions for their SMB customers, software tools to run their own businesses efficiently, and a wealth of resources to grow their businesses and expand their margins. We never go around an MSP to sell directly to their SMB customers, and that has established unique, highly aligned relationships that we have spent years building one by one. We are more than just another vendor to MSPs. We are their trusted partner. No other company of our scale can deliver on that promise to MSPs, and it creates a major barrier to entry for potential competitors. Let me now briefly touch on our most recent product launch, Datto Commerce, into the North American market. Datto Commerce is a real-time quoting and procurement platform for MSPs that increases their efficiency and profitability. It simplifies how MSPs quote, sell, and procure. With Datto Commerce, we followed our well-established playbook of how we entered networking, RMM, SaaS protection, and security. With small acquisitions of great teams and differentiated technology that we tailored for MSPs. We purchased the commerce technology in the middle of 2020, and we operated it in Australia and New Zealand last year while adapting it to the unique demands of the North American market before commercially launching in April. Consistent with our open ecosystem philosophy, Datto Commerce will work on virtually any PSA or RMM platforms partners are using. And of course, it integrates seamlessly with Datto's PSA and RMM software. I should also give a shout out to the Datto, PSA, and RMM teams for landing in the upper right quadrant of the Canalis Research point of view grid. Meanwhile, Forrester Research recently concluded that the average payback period for Datto partners on an investment in our integrated solutions of unified continuity PSA and RMM is less than six months with a very high ROI. Before I turn the call over to John to run through our financial results and outlook, I wanted to leave you with some thoughts on two key themes for 2021, cloud and security. Datto helps MSPs and their SMB clients in securing digital assets, both applications and data. We protect those assets, help manage those assets and validate that protection, and help users to connect to those assets. Protect, manage, connect. All our products work together in that common goal of securing digital assets. Let's talk about cloud. Our software services are cloud managed and delivered as SaaS applications. We operate our own exabyte scale data cloud that gives us the advantages of cost, flexibility, and control. Our partners and the SMB clients they serve are at various stages of their own cloud journeys, but will operate for the most part in hybrid cloud environments for the foreseeable future. What we offer our partners is the ability to secure digital assets in a hybrid cloud world, no matter where data and applications live. We believe our ability to offer a unified, predictable experience across disparate environments is important to our partners who in many cases manage digital assets that run on-premises for high performance, in private clouds, in M365 and Google Workspaces, and sometimes in the public cloud. 
The next step for us in hybrid cloud protection is our Azure continuity product, which will give our partners with public cloud workloads the same highly reliable Datto continuity performance and robust security that they have come to trust from Datto. Our Azure product is on track for beta in Q2, and partner demand is very encouraging. We expect Azure to broaden our market opportunity for unified continuity and contribute to our ongoing reacceleration. I look forward to sharing more in coming quarters. Finally, let's talk about security. Continuity, as we deliver it, fits squarely into any security framework because we're involved in application and data recoveries every week, many of which are a result of ransomware or other cyber attacks. Continuity used to be primarily providing protection against server crashes, internet outages, or the occasional natural disaster. Now it's defense against active cyber threats. I've always described continuity as the last line of defense of security. With our launch of ransomware for RMM in Q4 and the acquisition of BitDam in Q1, we are accelerating our path into other areas of security beyond just recovery. With each new offering, we plan to bring MSPs strong margin opportunities as they protect their SMB clients and monetize security. The early evidence is good. Partner demand for our new ransomware detection and isolation feature for Data RMM continues to grow with just under 500,000 endpoints now protected, almost double from 250,000 less than a quarter ago. We're also helping our partners shape their cyber resilience roadmaps with thought leadership for MSPs in the form of content, webinars, and events, like our recent MSP Tech Day on cyber resilience. The event delivered a deep dive into cybersecurity, business continuity, and incident response to help MSPs and their SMB clients protect against growing cyber threats. Our leadership in security expands beyond our sponsored events to the international arena, where Datto serves as a founding member of the Ransomware Task Force, a broad coalition of experts in industry, government, law enforcement, and international organizations coming together in the fight against ransomware. The task force recently released its report and an event where the U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security addressed an audience of U.S. policymakers and others with recommendations on how to confront this urgent national security risk for countries around the world. Our own CISO's participation shaped the task force guidance for MSPs and SMBs to recommend financial funding and support to help MSPs develop cyber resilience capabilities, among other critical measures. Closer to home, we continue to make ever-increasing investments to ensure that our own infrastructure, practices, and products are secured to the highest standards. In summary, I couldn't be more pleased with our Q1 results and see good momentum across the business. We remain as committed as ever to our MSP partners and see many opportunities to help them grow their businesses with margin-enhancing sell-through products and to operate more efficiently with our PSA, Commerce, and RMM products. Cloud and security have always been fundamental with data, and we'll continue to invest in these areas to abstract away their inherent complexity and turn them into growth and margin opportunities for our MSP partners. Thank you for your interest in data and the MSP story. With that, I'll turn the call over to John to take you through our financial results and outlook. John? Thank you, Tim, and good afternoon, everyone. We're pleased to report strong first quarter results. And as I review our numbers today, please note that I'll be referring to non-GAAP metrics unless otherwise specified. 
you can find a reconciliation of non-GAAP measures to GAAP measures in the press release that we issued this afternoon and in the supplemental financials posted on our website. Our first quarter results reflect strong execution from our team and continued momentum across our whole suite of products. First quarter recurring subscription revenue was $135.6 million, up 17% year over year, which includes a benefit from favorable foreign exchange rates of approximately 3%. Subscription revenue comprised 94% of our total revenue of $144.9 million in the quarter, exceeding the high end of our previous guidance. ARR at March 31st was $572.5 million, up 15% from $498.4 million a year ago, and importantly, increased $30 million sequentially. This included a benefit of approximately $4 million from our annual ARR currency exchange rate recalibration. Excluding this FX impact, ARR increased $26 million sequentially, up from $20 million in Q4 of 2020 and $16 million in Q3, providing continued evidence of the reacceleration of the business. We ended the first quarter with more than 17,300 MSP partners, a net increase of 600 year over year and an increase of 300 sequentially. We're encouraged by the return to growth in MSP partners in the first quarter and believe the increased churn associated with the pandemic is now largely behind us. We also grew the number of MSPs contributing over $100,000 in ARR to more than 1,150, up from 1,000 a year ago. Our sell-through model continues to drive strong growth within our installed base of partners as they roll out data solutions to more SMBs, those SMBs consume more data or seats, and they both adopt more data products. Our first quarter gross margins of 75% were up from 71% in Q1 2020, driven by the operating leverage we're realizing in our 24 by 7 support function and increased efficiencies in the infrastructure supporting our software solutions. First quarter operating expenses were $69.6 million, a slight reduction from Q1 last year, reflecting a lower cost structure during the pandemic. Within OPEX, sales and marketing expenses were $29.6 million, a slight decline from $31.3 million in Q1 2020. R&D expenses were $17.6 million, an increase from $16.4 million in Q1 2020. G&A expenses were $20.2 million, an increase from $19.5 million in Q1 2020, and now include public company costs. And finally, depreciation expense within operating expenses was $2.1 million compared to $2.5 million in Q1 2020. Operating income for the first quarter was $39.4 million, or 27% of revenue, compared to $18.6 million, or 15% of revenue in Q1 2020. Adjusted EBITDA for the quarter, which excludes stock-based compensation, restructuring costs, and transaction expenses, was $46.9 million 
compared to $25 million in Q1 2020. In recalibrating our cost structure during COVID and as a result of ongoing efficiency initiatives, we expanded our adjusted EBITDA margins to 32%, a significant increase from 20% in Q1 2020. As we discussed on our last earnings call, we're investing in cloud and security to drive revenue growth and as commercial activity returns to pre-pandemic levels, we expect adjusted EBITDA margins will revert to levels in the low to mid 20% range. Free cash flow in the quarter was positive $24.5 million compared to negative $15.2 million in Q1 2020. And we ended the quarter with just over $149 million in cash. Turning to guidance for the second quarter in full year 2021, the solid profitability and structural operating leverage in our business provides ample capacity for us to continue investing in technology innovation, go-to-market resources, and scaling infrastructure to support and sustain our long-term growth and expand our leadership position in the market. Our 2021 guidance continues to include the impact of incremental investments in the important areas of cloud and security. For the second quarter of 2021, revenue is expected to be in the range of $146 to $148 million. Adjusted EBITDA is expected to be in the range of $34 to $35 million. For the full year 2021, we're raising our revenue guidance to a range of $594 to $600 million and we're also raising our adjusted EBITDA guidance to a range of 134 to 138 million dollars. Our Q2 revenue guidance represents year-over-year growth of 18% at the midpoint, inclusive of a 3% FX tailwind, and our full-year revenue guidance represents year-over-year growth of 15% at the midpoint, inclusive of a 2% FX tailwind. It's important to remember that Q2 2020 was our lowest revenue quarter last year as a result of COVID impacts, making that an easier comparison this year. We expect subscription revenue to account for over 90% of total revenue in 2021 and capital expenses to be in the high single-digit percentage range of revenue. As a reminder, for non-GAAP income taxes, we use an effective tax rate of 25%. For calculating EPS, we estimate approximately 170 million fully diluted shares for Q2 and 175 million fully diluted shares for the full year. In closing, we believe our Q1 results and 2021 guidance reflect the ongoing reacceleration of the business. We're very excited about our momentum going into the rest of the year and look forward to reporting on our progress in the quarters to come. With that, we'll open up the call for questions. Operator? As a reminder, to ask a question, you'll need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. And please remember to limit yourself to one question and one follow-up question. Your first question comes to the line of Sanjit Sai with Morgan Stanley. Uh, thank you for taking the questions. And first off, congrats to the team on a, a really great Q1. I think particularly impressive was the net new AR performance this quarter, even as you sort of normalize for the, for the FX uh, benefit. So my question, Tim, is 
if you could speak to end market demand um, and how that um, may have changed um, uh, through that across uh, the portfolio and, and during the quarter, and was there any sort of one-time items or benefits we should be thinking about that uh, may have benefited Q1? Yeah, thank you. Um, I will. Uh, I'll ask John, to, you know, to noodle on whether there's some one-timers other than what he said. I don't think so. But, um, you know, it's always been a little tough for us. We can survey the base, of course, but when you have 17,000-plus partners dealing with hundreds of thousands of SMBs, for every story you have of a partner struggling, you have one who's having a record year. So I think we just have a general sense across regions that reopening is occurring, you know, step by step. And uh, we think that was the case here. I can't point to any. For example, we have good, good breadth across the product lines in terms of growth. So... It's not one breakout superstar. We've good, good international, you know, bouncing and, and, and good, good domestic. So I, I, I don't think I'd, I'd stick my neck out and say it was any, uh, any one, one thing. But, you know, clearly the longer the pandemic goes on and, and work from home in particular, SMBs need more and more on the technology front. And at the same time, we're, we're optimistic we'll get additional reacceleration once MSPs are able to get out of their uh, – their home cage, so to speak, and, and start seeing more of their customers and, you know, maybe a little bit of that for, for our team as well. So I um, wish I had uh, something more specific there for you. But, John, I, I, you know, anything uh, beyond what you said in the prepared remarks you want to add? Yeah, I, no, uh, no extraordinary uh, one-time items. The FX was the one point we wanted to call out. But even as you say, excluding the FX, it was a terrific quarter and, and a great increase in ARR. It's really just the continuation of the reacceleration in the business that we've been seeing and that we've been been talking about. And uh, you heard Ken mention before that VCDR had a nice rebound in, in Q4, and that's continued. Uh, that's continued, and, and we continue to see great strength in in data protection in RMM um, with uh, with great contributions from other products as well. So it's Tim said really across the board products geography um, c- continued. Uh, continued momentum. I appreciate the context on, on both of those fronts. Um, the next topic I wanted to hit was around um, security one and cloud number two. And obviously um, the country's going through another headline, pretty pretty meaningful ransomware attack um, that has a lot of customers, um, um, frankly, looking for solutions. I, I wanted to get a sense, Tim, in terms of sort of meeting what is likely to be incremental demand on this front around ransomware attacks, um, how the security offering is positioned. I know BCDR kind of plays into that as well, but in terms of um, your security efforts, are you in a position, is the business in a position to help customers um, meet that challenge when it comes to uh, comes to ransomware? Yeah, no, no question about it. And, and we highlighted, you know, I think Sigma very strongly our intentions on the last call. What, what a difference a year makes. I think the headlines you and I read are, are, are sort of, you know, scary. And that's being processed by SMBs as an increased willingness to pay some money for security, you know, beyond maybe the antivirus they've had in there for 15 years. So that's absolutely rippling through. And I think you're going to see MSPs now trying to figure out what's their full stack and, you know, starting to view themselves as, as basically security companies. You know, if you can't protect your SMB, all the rest of the creature comforts and Zoom conference calls or whatever solutions you're, you're providing uh, start to not matter. I think we've had good exposure here. You've heard me from the IPO onward talk about 
security as the last line of defense and, uh, you know, excuse me, continuity as the last line of defense in a security strategy. I'll call that the recovery phase. But by then, something bad's happened, and now in ransomware, we're finding out, you know, we can get on the front end of that on the prevention side. And so, you know, a couple of data points I'd give you. One is our, our, our kind of state of the industry report in the MSPs last year listed ransomware as the number one problem facing MSPs, and, and that's before all the recent round of half a dozen visible attacks. I think uh, the Homeland Security Secretary just warned of increasing ransomware risk to SMBs, and um, our, our own CISO, we, we, we put out a release has joined as a founding member of the Ransomware Task Force. They just put their report out, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just everywhere. And we're, we're, we're pleased to see that I think some government money is even going to be coming this way as well. So and it's not just the SMBs. MSBs themselves have exposure. And, you know, if you get your hands on their assets, then that can be weaponized. So it's uh, basically in every conversation. I, I, would, uh, I would leave it there, and, and we think we're in good shape to capitalize on it. Understood. Thanks, Tim, and congrats on the court. Thank you. Your next question comes from Saket Galea with Barclays. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my questions here. Hi, hey, how you doing? Um, hey, Tim, maybe maybe first for you, um, maybe just, just dissecting uh, one particular part of the ARR. It was great to see the customer ads start to increase again, right, not just from last quarter where we had some pandemic-related churn, but even above the run rate that we saw through 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 2020 and so maybe the question is how do you sort of feel anecdotally about the pipeline here for for customer ads over the next couple quarters you're good thank you socket and, and, and hello um you know I, I think we noted in the past couple of quarterly calls but even you know, I think when we first met you a year ago gross msp ads were, uh, were solid, you know, throughout 2020. It's not been a gross ads question. Pandemic comes along, Q2, Q3, you see some disruption at the lower end of our base where some MSPs were struggling, and, you know, we tightened our, our credit policies, et cetera. So now that most of that has passed, um, you know, we're seeing net MSP ads growing, and we would expect that dynamic in normal economy, normal markets to, to continue. There's still plenty of MSPs out there. A lot of runway when you think about 125,000 plus MSPs uh, globally. So you're optimistic on that front. Got it. Got it. That makes a lot of sense, John. Maybe for my follow-up for you, um, understanding you, you don't you don't guide to, to net new ARR. Is there anything you want to call out? Um, you know, seasonally or um, you know, I mean, you call that FX. Doesn't sound like there are any other anomalies that we should be thinking about. But just sort of broad brush. Um, you know, how should we sort of be thinking uh, about modeling ARR or net new ARR, um, you know, kind of through the rest of, of 2021? Because you do have some, com you know, easier comps and, and uh, you know, uh, recovery and, and such. So any sort of, um, you know, color you could give on, on how we should think about ARR as the year sort of progresses? Yeah, no, that, that's a good question, Saki. Thanks. And historically, as you, uh, I think you may know, uh, we actually had a sawtooth pattern uh, with ARR climbing each quarter, Q1 through Q4, and then falling slightly again in Q1 before starting to grow again. Obviously, this year in, in Q1, if we, we didn't follow that pattern. Uh, we had a very strong quarter, even without, uh, without the impact of uh, FX. $26 million increase was the second highest uh, ARR increase 
uh, ever, uh, and we think that reflects the strong momentum we're seeing in our business. As you said, we don't guide to ARR, but we've guided the higher revenue range in Q2 and for the full year, um, and um, obviously ARR is a leading indicator of, of revenue, and we're focused on continuing to drive higher growth in ARR, which we, which we view as that leading indicator and, and driver of the revenue growth. As you can imagine, that won't always come in a straight, you know, linear increase, uh, but we do believe the overall trend will be up and, and consistent with our theme of reacceleration. Very helpful, guys. Thanks again. Yep. Thank you. Your next question comes to the line of Matt Hedberg with RBC Capital Markets. Oh, great. Thanks for taking my question, guys. Uh, Tim, uh, you know, I wanted to ask about data commerce. Um, you had a press release out it, on it earlier, and, and you obviously referenced it in your script. Um, you know, I, I know you don't talk specifically about pricing. That's up to the MSPs. But can you talk about the mechanism for pricing? You know, how might an MSP price this relative to your other solutions? Yeah, it's a great question, Matt. Um, this is, uh, at the moment, what I would describe in the sell to category. So it's a subscription that they're buying to help them with a pain point in terms of just sheer time. If, if you've got, you know, dozens or hundreds of customers at, at an MSP, you know, buying those laptops, buying the mouse, buying, you know, dealing with all of that, things are broken, getting that procurement function that we all have at larger companies and, and is abstracted away from us, that's front and center for MSPs. It's noise at the help desk level and takes a lot of time. So. Um, we found this tool we acquired last year and uh, put it into a platform now. It's in North America and Australia and New Zealand, and effectively it's a flat rate subscription price. So on the one hand, we think it's going to be a great revenue opportunity. On the other hand, it fits into our strategy of, you know, platforms for MSPs. In some cases, we give them some platforms, email platforms, other marketing, digital content. In this case, we thought there was a real revenue opportunity there and obviously starts to put us in the flow of their purchasing cycles connects perfectly back into Autotask PSA on our end, but uh, it's also an open ecosystem tool that's consistent with our, our uh, you know, our theme as a company, and so it connects into other PSAs as well. So I think about it as kind of getting into the top of their workflow. That's great. It really seems super complimentary and, and uh, you know, additive to, to, to your stack. I guess one more product question. Now that um, Unified Continuity is available on Azure, um, you know, I, I'm curious, what, what did you learn from uh, your beta testing? Um, just, just sort of, you know, you know what, what sort of feedback did you get? Um, you know, and, and it's, it's probably hard to anticipate what the demand's going to be like for that, but just sort of curious on, on, uh, on, on maybe that aspect of, uh, of kind of what you learned. Yeah, so first let me just calibrate. On the last call I said we'll go into beta in Q2, so... Um, you know, gathering those names now, we come, we've come out of alpha and uh, into beta. So the, the learnings we've had so far, though, we've been live with many partners now for, for months, um, I think are around, obviously, first and foremost, technology. We want to make sure it's as bulletproof of a solution as our on-premises and private cloud solutions are, and I think our confidence there is high. Um, candidly, the second set of learnings is around what MSPs are struggling with in their move to Azure. So you can find, if you start dialing, MSPs that have moved everything to Azure or love it. You can find MSPs that are 75-25, 25-75. You can find MSPs that moved there and came back. And they just have a variety of technology, business process, and economic challenges, right? Economic being interesting. You don't quite know what your sixth month 
Azure bill is going to look like because it goes up, not down. And so I think understanding their journeys as MSPs and the, the journeys of different workloads into the cloud has been very insightful for us. We've never thought there was going to be a magic quarter, a magic year where kind of everything moves to the cloud. It's going to be this multi-year drawn-out journey. And our goal is to abstract away all of that for them so that their continuity solution is a little bit indifferent as to whether it's on-prem, private cloud, Azure. And uh, I, think we're, I think we're getting increasingly confident that's going to happen. We have these guys looking at screenshots. We're into the details with their texts and, and what have you. So. Um, that's what this summer is about. There was a broader, much deeper beta to kind of get that last bit and polish on it. Got it. Got it. Great to hear. Congrats on the acceleration, guys. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Jason Adder with William Blair. Yeah, good afternoon. Um, Tim, I was wondering how you thought that the emerging labor shortage, um, I mean, I don't know, we have enough data to, to safely say there's a labor shortage, but I'm wondering if you've thought about this and what impact it might have on SMB IT outsourcing as SMBs cannot get people. It's a great question. I don't know if we've, you know, I mean, other than everybody's a war for talent, so everybody's facing the same thing. To me, the rise of the MSP, and, and you and I talked about this even in the big think piece you did, uh, you know, last year, um, the rise of the MSP is really around SMBs having trouble getting technology and the rise of Datto and other vendors serving MSPs is even MSPs are having trouble getting the right kind of technology talent. So it can't be helping um, SMBs. It has to be helping MSPs. I do think you see the strength we've got, for example, in SaaS protection and RMM and some of our other cloud products. Um, you know, the more you can kind of geo-shift, so to speak, and bring the tech to you in terms of dashboards and other things, the, the, the more you can relieve pressure on that. But it's not a question we, we've asked as explicitly as, as you have, and I see the same signs you do. There's definitely a, a shortage, and I, you can multiply that by, you know, some factor when you get into tech and security. And have you guys had uh, – have you been hiring, and have you had any difficulties hiring? So far, so good. You know, it, it, it's a battle, but we have a very large sourcing and, and recruiting team, and um, we've been uh, we've been hiring in a very good clip. And I think you'll see that in our quarterly uh, quarterly numbers as we as we roll forward. So, um, so so far, so good. Obviously, we've had to maintain more geographic flexibility than we might have uh, a year ago, but that's that's a theme for every tech company we know. Okay, great. And then one quick one for John. <clears throat> John, you said the uh, FX adjustment in Q1 was $4 million. What was it a year ago, in the Q1 of a year ago? Um, let me circle back to you. I Did think I it was you? about 1%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may have still I, I was ready to talk about Q4, and I was ready to talk about full year last year. I didn't have Q1 right in front of me. Uh, it, was, it was a good bit less of an impact, uh, you know, last year and, and quarterly last year. I know that um, the pattern last year it was was it was a headwind in the in the first part of the year, and then a tailwind at the end of the year. I want to say Q4 it was a tailwind of about one uh, percent, and for the full year it was about zero. So maybe that gives you a little bit of sense of the shape last year. Perfect. Thank you. Yep. Absolutely. Your next question comes from line of Koji Aikida with Bank of America. Hey guys, uh, thanks for taking my question. R really nice quarter. Um, just 
I wanted to dig into a prior question on, on that commerce application and the pricing mechanism and, and maybe coming at it from a different angle too. You know, when, when I look at the, the product set over here with this, this commerce, I see um, quotes, sell and procure, and one of the first things that pops into my mind is, is invoices and payments. Um, I, I guess is, there, is that something that you guys think about as a potential uh, monetization lever that you could add to this commerce platform? Absolutely. There, there's, a, there's a number of ways this could go. Um, for us, job one is, you know, you have to build out the platform. you got to build out the, the MSPs, and then you build out the platform in terms of connecting all the different vendors into that platform. So there's a lot of plumbing work to do. Um, even before you get to the sell and procure part, which we're particularly good at, and we think we're very uniquely good at the procure side of that, the quoting is what generates the volume. You know, you think about being an MSP and the customers are calling or emailing, hey, I need to get XYZ, or maybe you're calling them saying you need a new Dell server, here's what it looks like, it's a big ticket item. You know, you're constantly having to send those quotes across, track those quotes, get the approvals, and so the, the tool you know, starts at the very top of that funnel, but downstream, you know, you're, you're spot on. There's a number of interesting, uh, interesting ways to go with it. So. Right now, we're sort of trying to build the base at the at the top of the funnel, so to speak. Got it, got it. Thank you. That's that's very helpful. And I, I wanted to ask a question on on the MSP Tech Day. It sounds like this is the uh, the fourth Tech Day that you guys had. Um, I guess any any sort of feedback that you got from the MSP there, and maybe any sort of color um, from the number of attendees, you know, from this event versus maybe the prior events, either in an absolute or from a qualitative perspective. Thank you. Yeah, um, what was interesting about it for me is it was uh, slightly lower attendance than continuity and RMM, the previous two that we've done. But given that at the time we only had just announced ransomware, we had very you know limited specific security offerings that the number was much, much bigger than we could have imagined. So we've had our CISO and our team out there, you know, doing thought leadership on security for a couple of years with MSPs and you know, it was probably twice as large as our previous largest webinar, and I know the size of our webinars is comparable to anybody that's in the security business. So I think it represents, hey, Datto's been talking about security, our concentric rings model, protect Datto first, then protect MSPs, then and only then get to revenue opportunities. We're in the concentric circle three now. You know, here comes Datto with some, some actual sell-through revenue opportunities for us, and we obviously announced the BitDam acquisition concurrent with that as well. So. Um, it was meant to signal a new era with data, and we're going to try to get, um, you know, some, some some revenue and margin into MSP's pockets as as the security, you know, becomes more and more of a focus. So that's the, the color I give you. Yep. No. Thank you. Very, very, very helpful. Thanks again, and a nice quarter, guys. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Your next question comes to line of Kirk Matern with Evercore ISI. Uh, yeah, thanks. And uh, I'll add my um, congrats or echo the congrats on the quarter. Tim, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of the progress you're making at the sort of high end of your MSP customer base. You know, obviously, the economy is reopening. That obviously helps on the, on the sell-through business. But do you think within that sort of upper cohort or quartile, however you want to describe it, the, you know, the MSP is paying you over hundred grand now a year. Do, do you feel like you're taking share with them from a wallet perspective? And is there – you know, any particular product in, in general that you feel like you're doing better with those those kind of bigger clients of yours or partners, rather? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I don't think they talk to us, you know, they, they all tend to play it a little close to the vest, so I don't think they talk to us about wallet share and, and you know, where else they are. We obviously at an account level with the rep have a good sense. Um, the very largest ones tend to not be completely standardized. If they're serving hundreds of, of customers, they inherit when they inherit, whether it's networking, other continuity solutions. And so you're, you're working your way through that from a penetration perspective. Um, definitely that piece of the base grows as faster, faster than the company, though. I mean, so you could definitely assume we're, you know, we're gaining overall share um, in that part of the base. Um, and at the same time, it can be a little misleading. You know, 100,000 sounds big, but, you know, you, you, could, you could imagine us moving upstream into million-dollar-plus sort of accounts as time goes on, too. So as we glue the product sets together, um, I do think people are starting to think about us uh, in a different way. We've had a number of big displacements, for example, up there where we beat a competitor and, you know, immediately get a couple of larger accounts, which is unusual. Mostly we start small, medium, and then we grow them. And um, I think we're feeling you know, more more confident in, in our ability to, you know, sort of execute a little bit up market. But uh, otherwise, all, all the different segments have, have grown pretty nicely for us, and we still focus on the whole whole spectrum. Okay, that's helpful. And, John, you guys obviously have had a nice lift in gross margins. Uh, what should we think about on that front? I know, obviously, with people going back to the office, spending coming back, you know, adjusted EBITDA in general is going to come, you know, back down a little bit. But just how should we think about gross margins? Is there anything we should consider as the, you know, product mix maybe shifts a little bit as we go forward um, over the next year or two? Thanks. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Kirk. Um, yeah, obviously, very good um, gross margins in the quarter, 75% non-GAAP versus 71% last year. And overall, we're pleased with the progress we've made on gross margins. And I think that does, uh, on the one hand, reflect the underlying strength of the business model and, and the great work the team's done in driving operating leverage, both in the 24 by 7 support team and uh, delivering increased efficiencies in the, the infrastructure that supports all our software solutions, um, and but we're approaching you know long-term target levels uh, today that we've talked about, right? Um, and so as we do, I think there are a couple things to keep in mind. One, new products have the potential to average in some you know slightly lower margin, uh, at least out of the box, uh, than than we're seeing on the on the more mature products. Um, but on the other hand, as we move to more products that don't require devices, that's obviously going to continue to be beneficial to margins. Uh, and as you point out, you know, certain expenses related to COVID uh, remain low, like travel events, you know, office expenses. Not a lot of that is up in, in the, the cost of revenue, but there is a little bit. So um, hopefully that, that helps some. That's great. Thanks, guys. Congrats on the quarter. Thanks. Your next question comes from the line of Keith Backman with Bank of Montreal. Hi, many thanks. Uh, Tim, I wanted to direct the first question to you and on uh, the backup uh, opportunity that you see in front of you. Uh, first, the clarification, when do you think it will be GA? And then the real question is, how do you frame the growth potential? I know a previous question surrounded pricing, and I was just wondering how much is Microsoft's pricing of its own solution, uh, how, how much do you think about that in terms of how you price your offering? And the second part of that is how do you 
how do you think about the growth potential here in terms of workloads migrating from on-premise to Azure over, say, the next uh, two years? I'm just trying to understand how, what the growth potential here might be, and then have a follow-up for, uh, for John, if I could. Yeah, well, thanks, Keith. Um, it's a great question. You know, we think of it right now as a large new net demand opportunity for us in terms of MSPs and, and, and end clients that are in Azure and, you know, not being well served, right? Microsoft has kind of a, a lower end, what I'll call backup solution. You check the box. You have to do something if you're moving to Azure. And then they've got a little higher end, um, you know, more complete solution. Um, our general goal is to be functionally, you know, well above that solution and price-wise make it sort of competitive, right, so that the MSP knows they're getting a premium product, as they always do from Datto. It's not a discount. Um, but, again, they tie it back into, you know, how they manage their on-premise business and all their other loads, whether it's in their data center or regional data center, rack space, et cetera. So it becomes this hybrid cloud protection, you know, solution. We obviously then add one thing that Microsoft wouldn't, which is we have a data cloud, and so multi-cloud replication and, you know, not storing all your eggs in one basket, um, you know, is anywhere from desirable for MSPs to even mandated in some cases that, you know, everything can't be in, in one cloud. So I would think of it initially as large net new demand, right? It's not going to be our MO to run into the market on the first day and say, okay, safe to come into the Azure waters, everybody rush over there. I do think as we get operating experience, though, I mean, we do expect to be partners of Microsoft, and we would be very happy to help people. And I think a really top-end continuity solution will absolutely help some of the larger and more sophisticated MSPs go to Azure faster. So we, we and Microsoft both think it's, it's net new demand on, on the migration front, too. Okay. Okay. And then just any comments on GA, and maybe I'll sneak in my uh, question to John, if I could, at the same time. Okay. And John, just a clarification. is I, I just wondered what the, the FX was that was embedded in the guidance. I, I looked at the last transcript, and I, did, I didn't see any comments on what the expectations were for FX in either Q1 or the, or the calendar year 21. And um, if, if there's now two points of FX, that's about 10 million of new revenue, which is about the same amount as the guide raised. But if you could just clarify, perhaps I missed it, uh, but, but I didn't see any comments. So if you could just clarify the two points that you're now expecting in 21 versus what you've previously been expecting. So, Keith, on the GA question, you know, we've just said second half. I think part of the okay. timing and answer will, will be related to, uh, you know, how the beta goes and, and what we hear. And, you know, we, we definitely don't want to launch something that we, we don't think is really robust and, and at the data quality. So um, I think the other thing is, you know, it's a bit of a continuum, right? The beta starts, it expands, it expands in early adopter. And we'll definitely signal you when it's commercial availability and, and, and ready to buy retail off the off the shelf. But uh, for right now, I'll probably just stick with uh, sometime later this year. John? Yeah. Uh, Keith, fair, fair question. We didn't really, we did not talk about FX impact uh, last quarter uh, in the guidance that we, uh, our guidance and our current guidance uh, absolutely did uh, reflect an assumption on, on FX, and it did assume uh, a tailwind from FX in that guidance. But uh, I would say our increase in the guidance is predominantly driven by strong operating momentum in the business. 
not a not a, a big change in the, the FX view. Okay. Thank you, John. Yeah. Your next question comes from the line of Greg Mikowski. Muscowitz with Mizuho. Hey, Greg. Did we lose you? Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Sorry, I was on mute. The uh, <laughs> the, the, the 2020 Zoom uh, coming back to me. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, but congrats uh, as well on a very good quarter. So, you know, my first question, Tim, is just on data commerce. You know, initially, I know it's designed as a sell-to product, and my question is, do you have interest in extending this to a sell-through product? Uh, and if so, um, how difficult would that uh, would that be from an engineering perspective? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good question. Um, and then, by the way, I've I've been on mute for my last two town halls, so uh, the first thirty seconds, so it, it happens to everybody. <laughs> Um, in front of 1,800 employees, it's not great, but it, it's, you got to feature it. So, data commerce, I think, as a, as the platform is currently envisioned, is is absolutely going to stay sell too. Is it possible um, down the road that you know MSPs say, hey, we have larger clients, kind of co-managed situations, they'd like to quote, maybe you're serving an IT staff. It's possible. You see occasionally RMM get extended a little bit like that, PSA get extended a little bit like that, but. You know, now you're into the enterprise realm, and you're really competing with a whole bunch of different platforms that are much more tailored. So I would think about it, you know, as, as a sell-to. That said, we've called RMM a quasi-sell-through in as much as once you give it to an MSP and get them up and running, when they add new clients, they add new seats, and therefore, in a way, they are selling it through, um, even though they probably just put it into their base fee. So, you know, they're getting paid by using a great RMM tool, and I think the same thing happens here, right? As they go streamline the purchasing flows of their clients, there's no question that shores up their base fee. It's just I, I'm, I'm not sure in the first year or two that there's a line item on the client's bill that says data commerce, you know, marked up or something. Uh, it's probably more in that base package. And then there are other things in that base package, too, including just the MSP's time. So uh, we, we would tend to call it sell too, but it's probably in that category of quasi-sell-through. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, thanks, Tim. And then just for John, uh, I apologize if I missed it. Did you make any um, comments, or, or if not, I guess, can you um, provide any color around uh, NRR or dollar-based gross uh, uh, retention? Uh, sure. Hey, Greg. Um, yeah, we did not – we didn't talk about NRR. As, as we've said, uh, net revenue retention is a metric that we'll report on uh, – an annual basis. It's a lagging indicator. You may recall that it was 111% as of the end of 2020. Um, and we've talked about how that, like other lagging indicators, revenue uh, growth really would, you know, during the year last year were declining and would um, bottom out in Q4 last year, Q1 this year before they started turning back up. Um, because we had to lap the Q2 lows, COVID Q2 lows of, of last year. And so, uh, you know, we believe, uh, you know, that, you know, we've passed the low point and we're, we're starting to move back up at this point. All right, perfect. Thank you. Yep. Your last question comes from the line of Brent Phil with Jeffries. Hey, guys. Joe on for Brent. Really appreciate the question. 
just wanted to double click into the international markets. It looks like that area grew almost three times as fast as domestically. Was there anything to call out there? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say. Oh, go ahead, John. Let me. Yeah, well, I mean, one thing I was I was uh, actually looking at that right before the call because I, I thought that might come up. Looking for my notes, but it was uh, remember all the FX impacts would be in that international segment. So while that growth, um, you know, ballpark at it here, thirty percent. Um, you know, the, that FX impact would, would have a, a greater impact on that smaller number than it does on the total. So that, that's the only thing I would highlight for you. Okay. I mean, it, still, I mean, still, still growing very nicely and growing faster than the U.S., but, but a, a bigger tailwind from the FX. Okay. That's, that's helpful. And then guidance implies a healthy decel in the second half of the year, which I assume is a mix of FX and conservatism. But can you help provide some guardrails on how to think about subscription and devices and if devices revenue will be a headwind throughout the year? Sorry, if, you mean if device revenue will be a, a, a headwind? Yeah, or just the implied mix as we move throughout the year, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we, we still would expect subscription revenue to be, you know, uh, well north of, of 90% uh, of the mix. Um, you know, and as we, we think about the back half of the year, we're, we're optimistic. Uh, and we, you know, I think we all expect the environment to continue to improve. And, and we expect our core BCDR business to continue to improve and grow. And, and obviously, we have strong momentum in, in SAS protection and RMM. Um, uh, I think we, we pointed out currency will be, at least in our in our guidance, expected to be a little bit less of a tailwind in the second half than the first half, um, as, you, as you pointed out. So. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Congrats on the results. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. And there are no further questions at this time. And I'll turn it back over to Ryan Burkhardt for any closing remarks. Thank you, everyone, for joining the call today. Uh, we really appreciate your interest in Datto, and we look forward to speaking with uh, everyone again soon. Thanks, all. And this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating, and you may now disconnect.